Hi, I'm Scott Soshner. I'm Evan Novi Williams. And I'm Michael Barr, and this is the Bloomberg Business of Sports podcast, where we explore the big money issues in the world of sports. Today, we begin with baseball and the weather. And I know we go through this every year, but yesterday, six games were wiped out because of the weather. And I'm not talking about just rain. I'm talking snow. We're talking baseball. <laughs> I just wanted to get the little singing Thank in there. Man, I was doing man. it earlier. talking baseball. Klazuski. I find it interesting, the one we liked was Chicago, where, I mean, the weather isn't that different north side, south side, but the Cubs chose to cancel a game, the White Sox chose to play the game, and they had 900, 900 folks show up. 974. 974. Was that our number of the week? That was our number of the week. Number of the week, 974. That's not a lot of people. That is not a lot of people. (laughs) And, and, And you wonder... Uh, from a concession standpoint, from an everything standpoint, the revenue that goes along with this, do you give any sort of reward to the 974 that showed up? Like normally a team will say, let's reward them for the for the loyalty, for the perseverance, for showing up in that kind of weather. And you say, pick another game, you know, probably, dare I say, Tampa. <laughs> Tampa on a Tuesday and, and help your, your bottom line that way. But yeah, I mean, it's an issue when there's this many games and you have to figure out a time later on in the season when teams really don't want to not have days off. So it becomes an issue. Michael, did you see what the Indians put on the Jumbotron during their rainout this weekend? Oh, I missed it. What? Uh, Fortnite. Oh, man. They started that was broadcasting great. video games on the Jumbotron. <laughs> Probably more East, cheers than a, a game. Another uh, big arrival for esports, right? The, the, <laughs> in the middle of a baseball rainout. The Indians chose to entertain their fans by uh, by by broadcasting video games, <laughs> so, which is stunning to me, but but awesome. How many times can you show Major League? Yeah, I know. <laughs> That's my, you know, and I love Corbin Brinson at third base, but how many times can you play Major League? I've been cut already. <laughs> so, <laughs> yeah. But uh, now, let, okay. First of all, let me throw this out there: Should Major League Baseball shorten up the season? Here's the should. 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 Right, I know we all start laughing on that. Uh, well, yeah, exactly. This is just a formula. How many games do we need to make as much money as we are used to? If the players are willing to take less money, I mean, it's a very simple way to do it. If you're going to cut games, you're going to cut revenue. Are the players willing to take less? If the answer is yes, then you've got a shot at such a thing happening. The bigger problem right now, it's so steeped in tradition. You know, all the records are based on, right, well, not all, but the modern day, 162 games, and then who was better here? That's part of baseball. I guess it, it'll fuel the argument even more. So I, I don't think the owners are looking to. Maybe you can just extend folks in warmer weather places a little longer at the start of the year. I mean, they won't be happy having so many road games at the end of the year or, or making it up, but. Clearly, th- this many dates that get washed out, rained out, snowed out, uh, whatever's going on in, in this weather system that's coming through, you're not, you're not playing. But at least in Boston, they can run a marathon, but they are not playing the Red Sox game today. Let's move on now to the Carolina Panthers and the bidding war that continues for this team. Yeah, I mean, we're at 2.5. The question is maybe 2.6 for some. You've got Alan Kestenbaum and Ben Navarro seem to be the guys willing to go highest. The question is, are they the best owners from an NFL perspective when you've got David Tepper with a net worth of, oh, ballpark $10 billion, minority owner of the Steelers? That would, you would think, be a preferred owner from an NFL perspective, but he seems unwilling 
to go to the number necessary to make it happen. And the the number also got too high for Michael Rubin, the uh, the Fanatics owner, um, who had a group assembled, including Joe Sy. Uh, he was not willing, it sounds like, to get to uh, get above two five or maybe even close to that. Um, yeah, we, we ended up with a, a two horse race now. Just because, you know, as we've talked about so many times, valuations for sports teams are soaring right now. Yeah, and we have, like, Navarro's main business is distressed debt. You you wonder, is there something there? Do owners look favorably upon the source of the income? Uh, Because once you have a signed contract to buy the team, that is when the inspection really happens. This is when they dig into the finances and the background and they want to know everything. The NFL, among the four major U.S. sports leagues, their due diligence on prospective owners is more ardent than any of the other leagues. They want to make sure they uncover everything. So uh, it's it's a process. It's an interesting process. You just wonder for an NFL team to have two and a half, three bidders, you would have thought perhaps some more with this team coming on the market, but that's where we are these days when, when the, the price for entry is so high. Now, there is a rule that you have to remember in the NFL. In order for an owner to be a controlling owner, they have to put up at least 30% yeah. of the money for the team. How that's many folks have $900 million sitting around where they can cut the check and then fund more? Right. Yeah, You are looking at a time now when it's solely multi-billionaires who can do this. And then perhaps they'll syndicate to some of the existing owners or, or go get some partners. But it's it's a hard thing to do. you got to find these guys. And that's one of the interesting things that we've talked about around these halls is that it's unearthing billionaires. These are guys who have not historically sought the spotlight. But if you're Alan Kestenbaum and Ben Navarro, one way to find the spotlight or have it find you is to be associated with the purchase of a pro sports team, and the NFL in particular. On to another topic. Guess what has launched? ESPN+. Plus. <laughs> we were talking SpaceX earlier. I was, like the, <laughs> I was like, he wasn't there for that conversation. Evan, how does he know? I have ears everywhere. Yeah, four ninety nine. Did you subscribe? Uh, no. Evan? Uh, not yet, but I plan to. Now, what do you want to watch? Do you like the niche stuff? What What do you want to watch? Yeah, I mean, it uh, for readers out there who don't know ESPN Plus, four ninety nine a month. It does not replace your linear ESPN channels. You know, the stuff that's going to be on ESPN normally on cable, ESPN two, ESPN News. You that stuff is not included. Um, but this does include a lot more baseball. There's some hockey in there. There's more obscure college stuff, which you know I love. You know a good a good Mac, Mac football game throwing. on a Wednesday night. Oh, sure, also that. Yeah, I mean, I again, I think the price is smart. You know, four ninety nine a month is not a huge cost. It is small enough that I can essentially pay it and not think that much about it. If you had to make a choice, Netflix, ESPN Plus, you're taking Netflix, right? Yeah, without question. Okay, just, is yeah. it just because of the content? <laughs> Well, yeah, because of the content, but also, I mean, I am an ESPN subscriber anyway, so yeah. I'm getting a lot of the ESPN content through, you know, the the fact that I already pay for a lot of this stuff. I'm also getting just because I pay for ESPN as a whole. I will not ask no, Mr. Novi Williams. I, I will stress, I will not ask Mr. Novi Williams if he's always using his own login. I will oh, not. See, I might have a clue as wrong. to the answer to that question, which is why I will not. 
ask him. Guys, I got to run real quick. I'll be, I'll be back in a bit. <laughs> but, let's, but let's talk about why they're doing it. Yes, subscriber, are they important? The number of subscribers, of course, they want a lot of people to sign up. But this is ESPN and Disney being in the game now. They have a bona fide streaming service. So when the next round of bidding on all these things come up, all the major sports, the digital component is going to be, do I say as important, Evan? Almost as important? As, as, important, yeah, as important as the linear. These, this is when Amazon, we think Google, uh, Twitter, Facebook, we, we've been through the list. This is when these companies will become major bidders with big dollars allocated to having, and here's the big word, exclusive content sports on their platforms. I should add, I'm not part of paying for that $5 for the app, not because I don't think it's a bad idea. I think it's a good idea. Exactly. And I, again, I, I'm from the older demographic. I, I like You're from the oldest. The oldest demographic. (laughs) (laughs) Where's my Bob Cousy? (laughs) I I mean, I'm used to seeing everything, you know, on TV, turn it on. There it is. And I'm not saying it's this is not a bad idea, but at some point, if this does take off, ESPN is going to have to go all in on it. Another thing this does, it lets ESPN flex its muscle a little bit. I mean, we've seen so many of these companies, Turner, NBC, CBS, everyone is launching their sports OTT in the past couple months. ESPN's is by far the biggest from a content platform. They are at least showing and showing a younger demographic that they are, at least for now, even the king of digital sports at this point. Well, there's a reason they spent almost $3 billion on BamTech. You know, the technology's there, the leader. BamTech was pretty much the leading streamer for, for HBO, for WWE. Now you've got uh, sort of IMG Endeavor took over New Lion. So this may be a technology arms race as to which service works best. Uh, what are the differences? Do can I can I see things without glitch, without hesitation, with, without lagging behind? I, Eben, you had that problem where you couldn't even watch because your phone was blowing up, but something had happened in a game, but you hadn't seen it yet. Last night is a perfect example. I, when Bartolo Colon had that perfect game in the eighth inning, you know, I texted some friends. People turned it on, and they're like, "What? The game's and, over." <laughs> and I and I learned that it had ended in a walk when the count was two one. Right. You know, I was How two far two behind? pitches behind. Two pitches behind. Okay. Yeah. By the way, I should I should wish I would have brought this up earlier. The NBA is just kicking behind. Their valuations are already at an all-time high, according to Forbes. The average team is worth $1.65 billion, and the NBA store.com saw a 25% sales increase this season across all teams. How many Giannis Antetokounmpo shirts are they selling? <laughs> I just like to say it, so I do. Listen, we talk about the NBA. Well, I just like to keep perspective, though. While, you know, I love Adam, I love the NBA, great product, that's great, numbers up, 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 still pales in comparison to the audiences drawn by the NFL, where sort of the narrative around football is bad, bad, bad. They still have far bigger audiences, they make more money. The question moving forward in a digital flat world where Adam Silver is experimenting with selling maybe the final five minutes of games or single games, on the global scale... With NFL players versus NBA players as Instagram stars and social media mavens and social awareness, is that the better play? That's the long-term question that I would love to have the sports bankers and the economists answer. All things even, are you buying NBA 
or are you buying NFL? Where do you see 20, 25 years from now? Where do you see the revenue coming from? It certainly seems as though team valuations are the area in which the, the gap is the narrowest. They're, they're, cl- they're closing, right? And right. you can think of that as the best even the best indicator of long-term Long-term yeah. play. With the, the Look Nets. at Panthers versus Nets. Exactly. Yeah, yeah. and Nets, $2.3 billion. Right. I mean, it's you New know. York versus Carolina. I get it. Sure. But, but the Nets, it didn't include the stadium right. at all. Right. You know, it was, and it was a minority stake, all that. Um, yeah, certainly the fact that the Panthers are likely to sell pretty much right around what the Nets without an arena sold for, I think is a great indication of kind of where, as you said, where a lot of these economists, these billionaires, these bankers kind of see the two leagues moving forward. On that slam dunk, see what I did there? I Oof. did. Yes, well, Unfortunately, we both yes, did. Yeah. Evan anyway. expressed it with an oomph. <laughs> <laughs> this is the Bloomberg Business of Sports podcast. I'm Michael Barr, along with Scott Soschnick and Evan Novi williams We are here each and every Monday and Friday exploring the world of money and sports. Join us again at the end of the week when we speak with the biggest and brightest in sports business. You're listening to Bloomberg Business of Sports from Bloomberg Radio around the world and online as an Apple podcast on iTunes.